0: Hey, this is Pastor Chris. Welcome to worship. I am praying that God speaks to you today in a way that helps you overcome the struggles that you face. You're listening to this because other people are giving to Grace Atumwa. If you have never given to Grace, but you want others to experience hope, you can do so today at give I hope to see you this week in our Facebook group where we dive in deeper together. If you haven't joined in yet, Go to Facebook and search for Grace Atomwa Church Online. Now, prepare your heart for today's message. God wants to speak to you. Happy Easter! I'd like to hear one of your favorite Easter memories. What's an Easter memory that just makes you smile? Type in the comments right now. I'll tell you one of mine. As, As a kid, we started this tradition maybe in elementary school or when I was in middle school. This tradition of of when we came up uh, to the living room to find our Easter baskets one year, our Easter baskets weren't there. And instead there's a clue, a riddle that we had to solve. A a, a riddle that said something like, I'm feeling hungry, I need to go find some carrots, and then we have to go where we kept the carrots in the refrigerator and follow it to try and find our Easter basket. And, And we get in there and we think, really, our Easter baskets in the refrigerator? And we get there. And it's not there. And instead, there's another clue. It says, oh my gosh, I got carrots all over me. Now I need to go take a bath. And so we run over to the bathroom and look in the bathtub and we think we're going to find our Easter basket. But it's not there. Instead, there's another clue it says something about needing to find something in the garage. I don't even remember what this bunny needed to get in the garage. But we run all the way out to the garage. Our feet are on the cold garage floor, finding this Easter basket. And finally, we find it. I want to hear about some of your favorite memories. And I also want to think about how we all have beliefs that hold us back. We have these times that we think. We think that if we follow this path, we'll get to the thing we're looking for, except we don't. It lets us down. These are self-limiting beliefs, lies and half-truths that we cling to, that keep us from believing the truth and living the life that God has for us. Do you know what yours are? You may have once believed... The lie, for example, that you have to be perfect, always planning one step ahead to find security. You may have believed the lie that you have to be over the top helpful, beyond what anyone else is, just to be accepted. Or you have to achieve something great, you have to be successful. You may have believed the lie that there's something missing inside you, something that makes you significant, and you're searching and searching and searching, trying to find out what that is. Or maybe someone's told you you're just too needy. Maybe you've told yourself you have to watch your back because no one else is going to look out for you. And maybe you believe that lie that you have to sacrifice who you really are to be the ultimate peacemaker, just to make everyone else get along. And I realize some of these might be hitting a little close to home. Today, as you hear the Easter story, the story of the empty tomb, I invite you to reflect, to consider how Jesus overcame the half-truths that hold you back. How Jesus conquered and had victory. Today we're reading from John chapter 20, verses 1 to 8. Early in the morning, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, The one whom Jesus said, or one who Jesus loved and said, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running together. But the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen cloths lying there. But he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. He also saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but was folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, the one who arrived at the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. This scripture that we just read today takes place on Easter Sunday. But the story actually begins two weeks before Easter. Two weeks before Easter in John chapter 11 where we read that a certain man, Lazarus, was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, the one who you love is ill. This happened two weeks before, but it's really important for the story that we're reading today. By the time that Jesus arrives, where Lazarus was sick. Lazarus, the one that Jesus loves like a brother. Lazarus was dead and buried. He'd been in the tomb for four days You know, Jesus loves everyone, but he had this special relationship with Lazarus. And Jesus talks with the sisters and mourns for his friend. And then he goes to the tomb and commands for the stone covering the entrance of the tomb to be removed, to be rolled away. And after some protests, they finally remove the stone. And Jesus says in this loud voice, Lazarus come out and the dead man waddles out of the tomb his feet are bound his hands are tied his face is covered in grave gravecloth, you can't even see the person when he was set free from death he couldn't set himself free from his grave clothes he didn't have it in he was just stuck and trapped and i wonder Today on Easter Sunday, the day we celebrate Jesus rising from the dead. I wonder about the story two weeks earlier. What was it like for Lazarus to come alive in the tomb? With his hands bound, his feet tied up, and a grave cloth covering his face. What was that moment of fear like for him? What was it like? Jesus says, as he waddles out of the tomb, he says to the people, "Untie him and let him go." And you're probably not surprised that the people who watched this miracle, this man come alive from the dead, the people who watched it, many of them ended up putting their faith and believing in Jesus that day. Lazarus and his sisters, they hosted this banquet to thank Jesus. And they weren't to have imagined. That shortly later, Jesus would be going to the cross. See this John chapter 11 moment where Lazarus is raised from the dead, it's this turning point in the Gospel of John. It's a shift from Jesus as the traveler and teacher and preacher and healer to Jesus is on his way to die on the cross. The first 10 chapters take three years. They cover three years of ground. The, last, the next nine chapters, they cover one week. And over that week, Jesus is celebrated, and he's betrayed, and he's arrested, and he's tortured. He's whipped over and over again. And he's executed on a wooden cross. And when Jesus is confirmed dead by piercing his pericardial sac, his body is... Wrapped up in linen. With all the burial spices and oils. He's placed in a tomb. That was Friday, day one. And then there's Saturday, day two. The Sabbath day where no one can work, no one can do anything. And then Sunday, the third day. Early in the morning, scripture tells us. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Mary, who's one of Jesus' disciples. You've heard of the twelve. Jesus had many disciples outside the twelve. And early, as soon as she could, before it's still dark, after she's done observing the Sabbath, she comes to the tomb to mourn. And you can just see her devotion coming before the The sun's even up. And can you imagine her concern when she gets there and the stone's gone? What happened? She's thinking in her mind, did someone steal the body? Was this one of those situations where Grave robbers came and took Jesus? Or was his body stolen by the very people that sent him to die? Well, She runs. She runs to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved. And she says, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Who is this disciple, the one who Jesus loves? Well, logically, it's probably the only disciple in the entire gospel who's given that title. The one who Jesus loves like a brother. Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus. And Lazarus appears in the story at that turning point where Jesus arrives in Bethany to raise Lazarus from the dead. And from that point on through the rest of Jesus' life, that final week, we keep seeing that disciple who Jesus loves over and over Well, Peter and this other disciple, they leave to go to the tomb, and they run. They run together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. I don't think it was a competition, but you can see the enthusiasm, the earnestness, the we have to get there and get there fast. And bending down to take a look, that disciple who Jesus loves like a brother, leans in and sees the linen cloths lying there. But he doesn't go in. He bends down, this tells you this is the type of tomb that has a low entrance with a lower pit. And he looks down and he just stops. He doesn't go in and I don't believe it's out of politeness of oh, I'm gonna wait for Peter, I'm not going in first. I don't think that was it. Last time we saw a tomb in this story, was when the stone was rolled away at Lazarus' tomb. And if this disciple was Lazarus, just a week ago he was in his own tomb. And now he's at Jesus' tomb and the stone's rolled away and he just stops, he can't go in. And I'm willing to say that we all have tombs that we don't dare re enter. Tombs that they hold our fears. They hold our memories that we don't want to think about. They hold the things that drive us. The fears we run from and the half-truths that seem to be the reason we do so many things that we do. What Lazarus sees at this tomb doesn't quite make sense. He was expecting based on Mary's report, to find an empty tomb. Or at the very least, a wrapped up and tied up corpse in the tomb. But instead he sees strips of linen, grave cloth, but no corpse. A thief won't take the time to carefully untie and unwrap the body. They won't do that. They're hurrying. They don't want to get caught. So what could this mean? The well, story continues that following him Simon Peter enters the tomb and saw the linen strips of cloth lying there. And he also saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. And it wasn't with the other cloth pieces of cloth but it was the other clothes but it was folded up in its own place. There's a neatness to how these grave clothes were left. It's nothing like when Lazarus just stumbles out of the tomb, wrapped up and tied up a week earlier. Lazarus, he needed someone to untie his hands, to unbind his feet, unwind the strips of linen around him. And can you just imagine when he comes out of the tomb, the the people hurrying to untie and unwrap him, to throw down the strips of cloth. There's no neatness to that. But here, there's a neatness. The face cloth. The, the, the translation reread says it, it was folded up. Actually, the word is it was rolled up. The face cloth was rolled up. And it could mean two different things. It could be it, it was neatly rolled up, the way someone might roll a, a, a piece of clothing up when they're going uh, on a long trip or camping to make sure they can fit as much into their bag as possible. Or It also could mean it was literally still rolled up. The face cloth was still rolled up as if it was around someone's face. Literally. It could be it was still in the shape, rolled up, of Jesus's face, preserved in its shape by the spices and the oils used in the burial process that made it hard and firm. It may be as if the face cloth is laying there, still rolled up. As if Jesus' body simply passed through those grave clothes, Not creating a mess at all, just leaving them behind. Well, after Peter goes in, the other disciple, the one who arrived at the tomb first, the one who Jesus loved like a brother, also went inside. And the scripture tells us he saw this and he believed. What would it take for Lazarus to go inside the tomb after he had just come out of one? And I wonder for you, in your tombs, your fears, your half-truths that you believe that drive you, what would it take to look at them face to face? To really evaluate them? What would it take to go in? Lazarus finally does go in. This other disciple, the one who Jesus loves like a brother, goes in and he believes. He sees the head cloth. Still rolled up. And he sees the strips of linen grave cloths. The kind that bound Lazarus so that he couldn't be free. Even when he first came back to life. They were all laid down neatly. And to this disciple, it all clicked together. It made sense to him. Well, Lazarus, he needed help to be set free. He saw that Jesus had victory over the grave all on his own. That this disciple who who Jesus loves doesn't just believe because he sees an empty tomb. He believes because he goes in and he sees the empty grave cloth. This beloved disciple was terrified to enter the tomb, but when he finally did, he found resurrection, and that is my prayer for you. Today I invite you to re-enter the tombs. Re-enter the tombs, to look at those grave clothes, look at those lies that have bound you, those fears that have held you down. To look at them honestly, today. And find new life in Jesus to believe the truth about who Jesus is, what Jesus has done for you, and what it means for you today. You may have believed the lie that you have to be perfect, always planning one step in advance to find security, but Jesus lived the perfect life already. Jesus is your security. Can you believe that? You may have believed the lie that you have to be exceedingly over-the-top helpful, doing whatever it takes to be accepted, but Jesus is our helper. Jesus went to the cross to help us and loves you before you did a thing for him. You may have believed the lie that you have to achieve something great, or at the very least appear successful. And maybe that's the operating word, to appear, to look to everyone else like you've got it together. But when we look at Jesus on Good Friday and that Holy Saturday, when he lay there in the tomb, he looked the opposite of successful. He looked like a complete failure. And they accomplished none of us could do for ourselves. Maybe you believe the lie that something is missing inside of you, something that if only you had this, you would be significant. But today I'm telling you, and I hope you'll believe the truth, that Jesus is the one who makes you complete. And you are of great worth to Jesus. You might have believed the lie that you are just too needy. And no one can handle all of your needs, and you just have to protect yourself. But Jesus came to meet your needs. Jesus knows your needs, knows who you are, knows your true, heartfelt, deepest needs, and cares. Maybe you believe the lie that there's this emptiness inside of you that can be filled by always seeking out something new, something better, another adventure, another source of excitement, but Jesus is the only one that can satisfy. And if you believe the lie that you have to watch your back and the backs of those close to to you because someone's going to come up and betray you, you should know that Jesus was betrayed and he overcame it through his love not his force. And if you have believed the lie that you have to sacrifice who you are to be the ultimate peacemaker who makes everyone else get along, today I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the one who made the ultimate sacrifice to bring the ultimate peace, peace between ourselves and God, between us and each other, between strangers, between enemies, between us and all of creation, Jesus did it. We just get to be along for this journey with him. Will you believe with me? Will you go into these, these tombs and see the grave clothes that you've clung to for so long, that have held you for so long, and find them empty? And believe in Jesus with ask you to pray with me right now. Jesus, Jesus, you went into the tomb. You were buried and you overcame sin and you overcame death and you overcame fear. You overcame it all for our sake. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you. We ask that today we may truly be free from the grave clothes that have bound us for too long. We each have friends and relatives and acquaintances and co-workers who have been ensnared and trapped for too long as well. They look like they have it all together, but you teach us to pray for them. Teach us to pray for them that they would experience the freedom that you offer. We ask that they would receive new life by the power of your Holy Spirit. For you today, may you experience freedom, the freedom that can only come from Jesus. This is my prayer. Happy Easter.